Lovers, it's Killstreak, episode 16. I'm Eric Goslin, and joining me, as always, Mike Price. How are you, Mike? I'm good, Eric Goslin. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Friday the 13th, part 6, Jason Lives. That yeah. he does. <laughs> he does. He finally lives. We took a, we took a break from him. Yeah, uh, but decided that we still wanted to make it work, and now here we are. <laughs> yeah, and it was a break that not a lot of people uh, were in favor of. But... No, no, definitely. Uh, that definitely affected the box office of this movie. But we can we can get to that. Um, first off, blood and guts check. <laughs> How did you feel about this movie when you watched it? Did you enjoy it? Um. Okay. I researching this a little bit and I did so more after I watched it than before. Uh, I guess I ended up in the same camp as a lot of people. I found this movie to be very internally divisive. And I think it's a movie that famously is pretty divisive amongst fans. Okay. Uh, and I find myself really torn. Um, I have not been more unsure of my opinion of a movie so far in this series until this one. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. And I think we can, we'll, we'll obviously further explore all the reasons for that. But I can say this. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Um, it made a lot of... Uh, it made it. It makes some decisions for sure, mm-hmm. um, and goes in 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 directions that the other ones didn't. And and I just don't know how much I like it. But I also, but I mean that. I don't mean like I don't know how much I like it. Like as a way of saying I don't like it. It's like I truly don't know. This is a very tongue in cheek movie. It is. Yes. Yes. And I don't it's know having how a lot much. of fun with itself. It, it is having a lot of fun, and I feel like. My my immediate okay, my gut check is like, yeah, you should watch this. Um But do I love like do I love this movie? I don't think I do. Okay. That's yeah. fair. Um I actually really enjoyed this one. So mm-hmm. I would say that I agree, I think you should watch this one. Uh to me it is one of the good ones. Um I didn't know I've seen this one before. Um I just didn't remember it very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And I wasn't really, I don't think I was tuned in when I first saw it, that it's like just a wink, a really winking comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I don't know why I wasn't aware of that, because it couldn't be more clear. (laughs) Right. Um, Well, but but I mean, we've talked about how we usually historically would ingest these kinds of movies, and it's like... You're yeah. not paying a ton of attention a lot of the time. Right, right. And, and, like, you know, I think when I did see it, I was kind of on a tear, like, even more so than mm-hmm. now, where I was like, oh, I'll watch the next one now. And they all sort of yeah. blend together after a while. Yeah. 
Um, and this one, uh, like I said, there I, there are parts that I remember. I pretty clearly remember the ending, but there's just a lot in the middle that I didn't. Um, and uh, I found myself kind of along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, like right from the jump. I mean, we'll get into the recap of everything. Uh, I was just like, oh, okay. This is a different kind of Friday the 13th. Yeah. And coming off of another quote-unquote different kind of Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. which I don't think worked at all. Yeah. Um, this was sort of like a nice breath of fresh air. Um, in a, it's just a like you said, and like I said, it's just a very winking, tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. kind of movie. And that's I understand not being a fan of it, because that's either your thing or it's not your thing. Not that you're not into yeah. those kind of movies, just right. like in your Friday the 13th. Yeah, I think it's I think part of it is that and part of it is um you know here's what I here's what I think I love horror comedies that work for me. You know, we've talked about this before. But like I love 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 Evil Dead 2. Um I love Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. I love Night of the Creeps. I love Return of the Living Dead. Mm. Um, I think Reanimator is a pretty funny movie um, when you boil down a lot of it. But like, yeah. there are these are obviously like all time great movies. This movie, I wish it had a little more edge to go along yeah. with all of the joking that it wants to do. Yes, because it isn't a very it's not a very gory movie at all. Yeah. Uh, and it's no, there's no nudity in the movie. Yeah, it is famously the only movie in this entire series with no nudity. Yeah, yeah. and um, also I think this might be the case that it's the only one direct written and directed by the same person. So yeah. Tom Tom McLaughlin wrote it and directed it, and yeah. really made it his own. Like, yeah, it, definitely. It feels almost like. Um, Jeez, I'm trying to think of an example of like a series where like I guess James Bond or something, mm-hmm. where like, <laughs> where like a director, yeah, duh, uh, where a director will take, or or bet you know what Batman, like uh-huh. a new director usually has a new take on Batman, sure, and sure. this kind comes of in, feels, puts their stamp on it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and Tom McLaughlin, I looked him up. He's just done a shitload of like TV movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he has one movie that got him the job on this called One Dark Night that I've never heard of before. Me neither. Uh, yeah. But I would like to check out. And it's it's the one that got um, what's it? Frank Mancuso Jr. Yeah, got his attention and got, got and his attention. McLaughlin's yeah. gig. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah. I think. Um. Yeah, I don't know. We'll get into it for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just like I think I'm learning some things about myself and about what like what this franchise means to me mm-hmm. and what um what it means like how do I define a good Friday the 13th movie? And like I mean in all honesty like if if somebody showed up to this franchise and made like a really good like serious slasher movie i think i'd be like nah this doesn't work you yeah um, what do you, yeah it's like what do you do for part 6 
you know, of a, of right. a franchise. <laughs> um, what's funny, like we can talk about this now. I, I just had this conversation uh, on the phone with a good friend of mine, but we were, he was asking, cause we're doing this series and he was asking, well, how many movies are there? And I, th- and you know, I double checked and counted on my fingers and I'm like, yeah, if you count the reboot, there's 12 existing uh-huh. features with Jason Voorhees. And I was like, that means that the next one is going to be Friday the 13th, 13. And like, yeah. And to me, I was like, I don't, in, I don't really understand why we've just been sitting doing nothing. And I know, I think, and I said, I answered my own question. I think that the, the reboot didn't perform particularly well and certainly wasn't well received. You're right. Um, that was 11 years ago. Yeah. And so this property has just been sitting dormant since then. And I, I, there's probably something behind that. And we'll, we might end up talking about that when we get to the end of this franchise. But to, to go back to my point, to make this long story slightly shorter, I was sitting here and I'm going, somebody just, they should just make, like, stop overthinking this and just make another one. Just make a, and make it just a fucking sequel. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong yeah. with just saying like I'm gonna make we're gonna make the thirteenth one now, and, and it's make just... it like a throwback. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that would be fucking great. Right, and it and that's the thing is like don't make it gritty. Don't start it over again. Just mm-hmm. like just have a new one. Yeah, just have a new one with more kids at a camp. Yeah, and have them get fucking killed. And it's like people will show up to see that movie. And I think to that point. The reason I brought this all up is because I think this movie is trying a little too hard to buck that sort of, um, which I think is also one of the big failings of five is it's like, it's trying Mm -hmm. too hard to be something more than just a Friday the 13th movie. And I think I would enjoy this movie more if it was, if it had the same agenda, but it just like eased off a little bit. Um, right okay that's like fair. i like that it's trying to be funny and some of the stuff that it does does land for me and does work mm-hmm. pretty well mm-hmm. and to be clear like i don't hate this movie at all i thought and i think this right. will this will land in my positives pile when all is said and done but it's like i wish it was half as tongue-in-cheek as it is yeah because i mean not all the humor lands as mm-hmm. you know most comedies right. not that it's a straight-up comedy but uh not all the jokes land. Uh, I wanted to go quick diversion, and maybe mm-hmm. this explains why this movie is so nudityless. Apparently, the director uh, Tom McLaughlin is a a cat is Catholic, and so there's like several references. Like when sh- when the, the when the yeah. counselor tells the, the little, little girl Nancy to pray mm-hmm. Jason away. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so maybe that explains why yeah. there's no nudity. Yet. Well, and also apparently there was another scene shot about. Uh, so after um, she goes into the lake to try to rescue Tommy, uh, like during the big confrontation, uh, there is apparently another moment that was cut of the kids praying for Tommy as well. Really? Um, yeah, which is like an insane thing to try to be shoehorning into a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, that absolutely is. Yeah. Wow. And and one more piece of religious trivia for you. So John Shepard, who played Tommy Jarvis in the last movie, also 
a uh, like a, a devout Christian who initially didn't want to come back for this one because of the tone of the movies mm-hmm. and briefly considered reprising his role because of these prayer scenes that were written into the script. Wow. Yeah. Ultimately decided to go and do another picture instead. But like, yeah. So I talked about this last week. There's this weird undercurrent of dudes who find the church. Uh, and yeah. And also there's some more wild church trivia that i'll drop later on in the episode oh nice um so you mentioned tommy the guy who plays tommy jarvis not returning for this one nope and this this time around we get tom matthews who we recognize yeah yeah return of the living dead i was proud of myself when i I recognized him (laughs) i'll tell you this it took me a second yeah me too like i saw him and i was like well i know this guy why do i know this guy and then I think it was probably halfway through that opening scene that I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's the dude from Return of the Living Dead. Um, playing, uh, yeah, a very different version of Tommy Jarvis in this It's one. such a weird version of Tommy Jarvis. Uh, yeah. Because in the last one, he's just like a nearly catatonic. Catatonic, like, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, catatonic. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to say it. In a, he's just... Nutcase. Troubled, <laughs> troubled. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in this one, man, it just—not to beat a dead horse. They really could have just skipped five. Like, yeah, we'll get <laughs> no to that. Kidding. I guess in our fucking wrap-ups. Fuck it, I'm fucking swearing over here. <laughs> Watch out, the naughty boys here. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I—I I mean, I'll just spoil my first note from the recap. Uh, is just it just says well Tommy Jarvis seems a lot more neurotypical all of a sudden like he's just <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it I guess he's totally fine now and it's funny they they kind of offhandedly mention like the center or the hospital or something like that yeah they do Horshack mentions it yeah <laughs> but but it's like never mentioned never never touched on again because like I mean the guy's got issues but he presents as a very like he's just a yeah it's just like a bro-y dude all of a sudden it's weird it is weird it is weird and all right so do some of the math here okay okay (laughs) of what year it is (laughs) uh it's night i think it's 1990 in in movie time it came out in 1986 okay but so the first movie takes place in 79 right Mm -hmm. 79 or 80 you know, let's Second, say 80. It's present day. It comes out in 1980, so they want us to believe it's 1980. Part yeah. two fast forwards five years, so we're in 1985, but we're actually in 1981. <laughs> Part yeah. three is the day after that, yeah. still so 1985. Yeah, but we're actually in, this was made in 1982. <laughs> Part then it's a day later, right? Yeah. Then it's a day later. Part yeah. four. Mm-hmm. 1984, I believe. Yeah, but the movie's 1985. The movie's 1985. Yeah. Part five, I don't. It's five years later. Is do they specifically say it's five years later? I think so. I think Tommy's okay. supposed to be 17. Okay, so then it's so 1990. Now we're yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And that was in 1984, right? And that was in 1984, okay. or five. I can't remember. Um, so now we're. I guess just some years after that, they don't ever really specify. They don't. So Let's say it's a year. <laughs> okay. We're in the nineties. We're 91. Yeah. We're about we to have... go to war. 
Um, man, what? A, yeah, this is everything here is so weird. Um, and yeah, I I mentioned this to to you, Eric, before we started. I didn't have a chance to do my my normal Crystal Lake memories viewing. Mm-hmm. So I read a decent amount of stuff, but I didn't get all the interviews that I'm used to. Um, but I can say that you know we have like you mentioned a new director and writer again tom savini is still gone yeah uh so this time around uh i wrote down our makeup guy his name is Uh, uh. while you're finding that i think the same editor as last time harry manfredini is back yeah Uh, and i think he is invigorated by this one compared to the last one because the score is definitely like different yeah, I don't know that it always works, but he definitely like tried no. some different stuff out. Um, there's no question about that. There's, I want to say the intro music was not hitting for me, um, mm. and I, I think it felt it felt pretty. It was a little bit dated, you know. Maybe it would potentially be on my list of things that didn't age well. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, looping back, Brian Wade is our is our special effects guru for this one. Okay. Um, and so this is a guy, he's worked on all sorts of stuff. A lot of crew and, and artists, not necessarily the lead, uh, but he was on The Thing. Um, oh, wow. He worked, he worked on Dreamscape, which is a movie I really enjoy. Uh, Terminator. Yeah. Oh. He is Great. uncredited as a special makeup effects artist on Starman. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe he had something to do with that shit that freaked you out so bad. Um, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was the, the baby looks weird and the yeah. sound design. So kudos <laughs> to the sound yeah. designer. Uh, but yeah, after this, he worked on uh, a decent amount of uh, other stuff. Nightmare on Elm Street movies. He joined up with K&B later. Um, so yeah, uh, worked on a bunch of X-Files stuff. So definitely like a guy who knows what he's doing. I wish I could sit, I could, I could say whether or not the gore saw cuts from the MPAA in this one. I mm. don't know if it did, but what I do know is there's not much on the screen. No, there's not. And I, uh, there was nothing that I recall from the documentary that said whether or not this one had any trouble with the MPAA. Um, mm. oh, so shit. my... I was just going to say, I actually did read about this. I'm remembering now that I know a little bit of background on this. Oh, great. Finish, finish your thought. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that I, I'm guessing they just did a lot of it off camera because that was just the direction mm. he wanted to take yes. it. Yeah, so now that I've had my memory jarred, you are 100% right on that. In fact, so much so that after uh, the initial shooting was done, the producers asked McLaughlin to add more gore and right, violence that's to the right. movie. Yes, yeah. yes, right. Um, which again kind of tells you he was definitely trying to do something different. And I think one of the things that he brings to it that I think is sporadically uh, effective is like sort of trying to fold in more action movie tropes and yeah. sequences. And like we have this big RV crash at one point, and uh, some of that stuff is cool. But it also, I mean, it is. A different direction oh for sure for sure yeah um well is there anything else you want to touch on before we get into this recap 
There is. I wanted to do one brief thing. We had talked about in previous weeks. We wanted to. Uh, we had. We were having people write in in response to our scored to death segment that we did oh, a few right. weeks back with uh, our guest and good friend Ryan Martin, and he had posed a quiz to everybody out there with a clip of music that I couldn't identify, Nor even though I. I I was the winner of that uh, competition. Uh, so out there ready for the taking was the title of a grandmaster, I believe, uh, is how we, yeah, the grandmaster title for Scored to Death. And I am pleased to say that we have a winner of the grandmaster oh, title. Yeah. Uh, so we have, uh, and he sent us a voicemail. So instead of me, uh, spewing more about this. We'll just play it for you. So let's hear it. Hey guys, Josh Stewart here. Big fan of the show. Big fan of Gay Eddies, which is kind of what led to me finding the show in the first place. Uh, you guys have been a real bastion of, of hope and joy and a real shitty-ass, gloomy motherfucking year. Uh, just calling to claim my Grandmaster status on that music challenge. Uh, it's actually a pretty well-known piece of music, at least to a certain generation, I would think. Uh, a lot of people probably know it as the opening credits music to Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which is how I first heard it in, like, second grade. But then in, like, fifth grade, because my mom had really weird standards for what it was okay for me at the time, uh, I heard it again. And George Romero's Dawn of the Dead as one of the non-goblin pieces of uh, library music from the DeWolf music library. I feel like I'm sounding redundant with my words here, but I only have a minute to cram all these words in, so whatever. Anyway, uh... I, I'm ready to uh, to take any challengers to the Grandmaster Throne at any time. Keep up the great work. Love the show. You guys are awesome. Josh out. All right. All right. Well, claiming the Grandmaster title with confidence, Josh Stewart. Um. Uh, great job, Josh. And you are absolutely right. Uh, and apparently, according to Ryan, that um, the, in Dawn of the Dead, that was in one of the uh, director's cuts. I believe, and not hmm. not in the theatrical version of the movie. Very um, interesting. Also, want to clarify that he said "gay yetis" and yeah. not "gay eddies." Well, are we sure? Because there are both Maybe. "gay yetis" and "gay eddies" in "Yeti," a love, another "Yeti," a love story. Oh, Life that's on the true. Um, well, I yeah. guess uh, "baby Eddie," "baby Eddie," uh, uh, his, his sexual orientation. He's a little too young to even have f fully explored oh, that so that's funny i I, I always just i mean when we Consumed. were in, when well, he and what? i were in scenes together i just read his energy as gay and but. you know what uh, what am i saying canonically all yetis are gay in our movies so oh, yes christ he yeah. is he is yeah um well that was very cool congratulations josh also uh eric let's make sure to never have him actually compete on score to death because i think it's pretty clear no um, he's way He's way better than us. <laughs> yeah. So, so sadly, Josh, that's just an honorary title. But um, <laughs> congratulations, nonetheless. <laughs> well, you, uh, Mike would not stand for being made to look like a fool. <laughs> I won't be made to look a fool on my own podcast. I won't. All right. Uh, well, great. That's all I wanted to cover. So shall we take a break and then jump into the recap? Let's do it. Okay, it's a dark and stormy night. Um, we see Tommy Jarvis, who we know from part four as Corey Feldman, and then part five as that other guy. <laughs> Sean Shepard. Yep, 
and now, uh, like I said, he's played by uh, what is it? Tommy Tom? What's his name? Uh, <laughs> just had it. Tom Matthews. <laughs> Tom Matthews. Tommy. Yeah. Um, and he's with his friend Alan, <laughs> played by Horshack. Horshack. Ron Palillo. Um, yeah. And I texted you last night to see if you had ever listened to any Sharpling and Worcester, and since you haven't. I sent you the sketch, which they reference yeah. Ron Palillo. I haven't, I haven't listened to it yet. I it's, forgot you did. It's fine. It's, late. it's a half an hour long. It's not an easy ask. But there's a very funny reference to Ron Palillo in that sketch and a lot of other pop culture folks. But uh, shout out to all my Sharpling and Worcester heads out there. Um, <laughs> you'll, you know what I'm talking about. Kid eBay. <laughs> uh, indeed. <laughs> So um, they're driving to the cemetery, and Tommy wants to destroy Jason's body so he can stop hallucinating about him. Um, he says, "I want to, I want to destroy it." Oh no, no, that wasn't a quote. He says, "Jason belongs in hell, and I'm going to see that he gets there." He even has Jason's mask with him. Mm-hmm. Um, the mask is red Alan, again. It is red again. Yeah. And it has like the chip taken out mm-hmm. of the side yeah. where he got hit with the machete. Yeah. Um, Alan does mention that they were in an institution, although you really see no evidence of Tommy like having any difficulty whatsoever yeah. through the rest of this movie, at least mentally. So they go to the cemetery with lanterns and shovels, and uh, Jason's grave is all cracked and crumbling. Yeah. Um, which is funny that he has a grave, <laughs> um, but that was something. That was supposed to be explained in a post uh, or in in a alternate ending. Yeah. Did you know about this? Is this the stuff with his? Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get to Let's okay. get to it. We'll okay. get to it when we get to okay, it. Okay, cool. Um, but it's a tease right there, yeah. guys. Stay to the end or watch Crystal Lake Memories. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Alan's really spooked. Um, so And Tommy starts digging it up. He's like, I got to be sure. Lightning and thunders kicking up, and in no time, literally no time, they uncover the grave. <laughs> and uh, much to Alan's chagrin, Tommy opens the casket. Uh, I noted also that this Tommy is also his hair's thinning in front. So <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is canonical. Yeah, Tommy Jarvis uh, has a thinning hairline. He's got a lot of testosterone. Yep. Uh, Jason's body is completely covered in maggots and webs and looks gross. Yeah, super gross. Um, which it's like, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. It doesn't make any sense, guys, because they would have eaten everything there was to eat a long time ago. He'd just be a skeleton now. I know. That's the last thing in this movie that doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, everything else is pretty airtight. Uh, so... Tommy kind of stares at it and we hear his die, die, Jason from part four right. playing over it. Yeah. He has a little met audio flashback. Yeah. Uh, he pries like a spear basically from the fence. Way too easily. The, <laughs> way too easily. That's like a wrought iron fence. Yeah. You know how hard that would be? <laughs> yeah. He, he just yanks <laughs> it off. Like he's a fucking Willy Wonka's just like pulling a, <laughs> like a just like grabbing a little. Yeah. Peppermint stick or yeah, something. Yeah, an, edib- an edible flower. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he just starts going ham on Jason, stabbing him. Um, and then he t- 
very stupidly, I think. Yeah. Not a good thing. Tommy tosses Jason's mask into the grave and says, fuck you, Jason. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, lightning strikes, and uh, the elect- electricity runs through Jason. And not just one, but two lightning bolts. Yeah. Sparks are flying everywhere, and Jason's very intact eye pops open. Yeah. Uh, this is, I mean, it's a big opening, for sure. Um, yeah. And I let me ask you this. Um, Tom McLaughlin was absolutely going for something specific here trying to evoke one particular movie did you Mm -hmm. notice during this scene or do you do you know even still what what this was all supposed to kind of be in uh in in sort of homage to Uh, um i knew only because i think i just had read it Mm -hmm. earlier in the week and i probably would have picked up on it but yeah go ahead and, and well, yeah. So it's Frankenstein, basically, yeah. and it's but it's yeah. but it's not just it's not just this getting reanimated by lightning. It's like the whole feel. It's like a very gothic cemetery, yeah, um, and yeah, all the set decoration and the general mood and all that stuff. And I mean, credit. I think he pulls it off. I think it does. Like it does feel like before I read that snippet of trivia, I was watching this scene and I had a note that's like there's a very Frankenstein feel to all this. And that's dead on because that's something he even talks about that, you know, he was like, well, we've seen Jason do this and this and this. But what if we had like a gothic horror Jason and was like really inspired by like the Universal Mm -hmm. monster movies? Yeah. Specifically Frankenstein. I think it's a cool idea. Yeah, totally. Um, And now we got our like super like legit supernatural Jason. Yeah. And this is that turning point. Yes, exactly. Um, so Tommy pulls the pole from Jason's chest and Jason pops out of the grave, grabs Tommy. Um, oh, I should note too, that we have a body count now of negative one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, Tommy grabs a can of gas and he splashes Jason with gasoline. That was his whole plan, I guess, was to burn Mm -hmm. Jason. Yeah. Uh, and he lights a match, but when he does, it starts raining. So he can't light the, he can't get the match to spark. Mm-hmm. Um, then Alan Horshack comes to the, to the, uh, I keep saying Horshack. Is it Horshack or Horshack? Horshack. Shack. Like, Horshack. Like a shack full of whores. <laughs> hey, sign me up. <laughs> um, hits Jason over the head with a shovel it immediately breaks, and Jason just punches through his chest and grabs his beating heart. Yeah, uh, that was a kill I remember pretty clearly. It was good. It's one of the most gruesome ones in the whole movie. Sadly, yeah. Yeah, uh, body counts one still uh, zero has his. Oh, it's, I guess it would be evened out to zero. Uh, you're right. Do you want to? Well, uh, hmm, that's interesting. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Do, should I subtract a body from all of these since we started with an alive body? No, I think it was a good joke, but then we should just say that the body card. <laughs> <laughs> it got a legitimate real life LOL out of me. And now, okay, good, but, good, good, good. But now I think we should just say the body count is one. <laughs> is one. Uh, Tommy drives off. Jason grabs his mask. And I wrote creeds, and I don't know what that means. <laughs> Were you <laughs> like stoned? A... No, I, I, I guess I just mistyped. Uh, I don't know. Mm. So then, uh, oh, it goes into his eye, mm-hmm. 
and we get a 007 James Bond opening. Yeah, and <laughs> then that's like that's where you know, like, okay, you're in for a different kind of right. movie here. Yeah, and like I'll be honest, like this is one of the things that I was like, uh, I don't know how much this is like a little bit much for me. The fake yeah, James it, Bond open. I think it's. I thought I laughed when it happens. He throws the machete and like the blood comes out. Mm-hmm. Um. So Jason's stalking through the forest with his pole, yeah. and Tommy then bursts into the sheriff's station, uh, and we meet Sheriff Michael Garris, who is named after the director Mick Garris, mm-hmm. Host. who has made some very bad Stephen King miniseries. Yeah, but he hosts a great horror podcast. Oh, does he? Yeah. Um, it is called, uh, remind me, my brain is escaping me. I listened to many, many episodes of it. Uh, I'm not Googling it. Um, well, you look it up and I'll, I'll say. No, that, I have it now. Uh, it's called post. Too harsh. It's, it's called postmortem. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. And do you know who, uh, and it is on the. I'm not sure if it's pronounced Blumhouse or Bloomhouse, uh, but yeah, they started on that network and now they've moved over to, I guess, the Fangoria network or whatever. But the, I will, I highly recommend it if only because he gets lots of very famous people on his podcast. Oh, cool! So, I'll check that out. Yeah, it's he's got a lot of good interviews with other directors who, uh, you know, have done much better horror movies than he has. Yeah, I mean, what I said was was not fair to Mick Garris. Um, I loved like the Stand mm-hmm. miniseries when it came out, but I've rewatched that like in the past ten years. Sure, and oh boy, it does not. It's a ama- it's certainly a made for TV movie. It aged poorly. Um, in in a time when made for tv movies were not good yeah yeah i'm trying i'm just looking to see if he directed anything that's like good um he did that like the shining yeah he did this just like like stephen king's like all right i'm gonna write the shining this time well he wrote yeah. the book but i'm gonna write the mo- the miniseries because kubrick fucked it up so badly that is one of the most baffling it is like feuds in history i mean it's just the kind of thing that could only happen with guys whose egos are that big because of their successes because yeah, any, yeah. anybody who wasn't what i pre, i assume the most the best-selling author of all time i don't know has anybody sell, sold more books than stephen king i like, would think he's probably yeah but i mean like author? you have to be stephen king to look at a gift like Stanley Kubrick adapting your movie and making one of the the greatest horror movies ever and being like he didn't yeah, get yeah. it right and it's like take take the win dude like he yeah. he made it a lot better than your book so just chill <laughs> oh that's a it's a pot shot taking up the book The Shining I do like the book but it's I mean it's good but it's not I as lo- good as I, the movie I agree yeah I love I love the movie I like the book yeah um. So he's in the sheriff's office. Uh, oh, he busts through, and the sheriff straight up pulls a gun on him. Yeah, and it's like which I thought was insane. It's a lot of heightened stuff. Like everything in this movie is very, very heightened, and right from the beginning, it feels. It, yeah, it definitely feels that way. Yeah, um, and it's like crazy. It's all this crazy. You know, he bursts in, waving. I think he's literally waving his arms around, and just like he probably yeah. is. Um. Tommy explains the situation, and uh, we meet Deputy Rick Cologne. <laughs> like that name. Um, 
and they think Tommy's like pranking him. Tommy grabs the sheriff's shotgun, which is an insane move that will get you killed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they rightfully lock him up. Yeah. Um, and we find out, too, that they've changed the town mm-hmm. from Crystal Lake to Forest Green. Yeah. To kind of distance themselves from mm-hmm. the killings. Yeah. I have, I have two notes here. First one is, uh, to the note, uh, we were talking about Tommy feeling so different. And... I mean, we've seen enough Tom Matthews movies. I think that we can safely say that while he's a fond presence, I don't think of him as being a super gifted actor. Um, no. And I think one of the things is, is it's like Tommy doesn't seem crazy at all. He seems almost boring in terms of his like personality. It's just that they write him to do insane and stupid things. Right. It doesn't feel like it's coming from a place of like mental instability. Though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it doesn't feel grounded like, in his character. It's just like, this is what I do. Exactly. Yeah. This is what the script tells me to do. So that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, and the other note I had was, I bet that there are no actual police stations where the jail cells are in the same room as the cops desks. Oh yeah. I know that's such a thing in movies, especially about like small towns. Right. Like, like it's like old Westerns, which I assume probably was the case. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But it's like, yeah, they're just like a cell next to the desk. Yeah. So that the prisoners can just fucking yak at the cops the entire time. It's like, no, like shit next to them. (laughs) Yeah, you're taking a shit and everybody smells it in the bullpens. <laughs> the sheriff's like drinking his coffee and the, like the fucking town drunk is just dropping a, a Saturday morning deuce. <laughs> oh, boy. It's disgusting. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut to Darren and Lisbeth. They're a, cousin, they're a couple, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're heading to the Forest Green camp. Uh, so I guess they're camp counselors. Yeah. Or they run the camp or something. Uh, and then she... Oh, sees Jason in the road and slams on her brakes and says the line, like, I've seen enough horror movies to know that any weirdo in a mask isn't friendly. Right. Uh, go ahead. I just, this one didn't bother me that much. Like, this is the kind no, of... No, me too. This is the kind of tongue-in-cheek that I think works, where it's like, it should be nods. It shouldn't be like fucking like waving your hands in the air like hey hey hey, look at this joke you know yeah well i think i think it works because it's true Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like horror movies i would assume exist in the friday the 13th Mm -hmm. world so they have seen horror movies Mm -hmm. and this is the case yeah you're right um did you uh so did you recognize darren when he showed up i didn't but then they they know they pointed out who he was yeah the documentary yeah ghost right it's from ghost yeah the bad guy in ghost spoiler alert sorry everybody (laughs) everybody spoiler for ghost everybody is at home waiting for ghost to come out on laser disc before they watch it and the woman is tom mclaughlin's wife yeah yeah who i don't know how she got cast in this but um yeah nepotism at its finest um so we cut to like you see Jason in the road. They back up and get stuck in the mud. Um, and Darren says they're gonna scare Jason just by like pretending to drive into him. And I have a note that like uh, my note is like, oh, this is way more like comedic than the re- the previous. Mm-hmm. This is like when I started. I mean, I, other than the Friday, uh, the uh, 
James Bond. Yeah. 007. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, so they 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 uh, drive the car at him. Jason doesn't even flinch, and they slam on the brakes. Like, yeah, well, looks like he really scared the shit out of him. And then Jason punches through the tire with his spear. Uh, Darren pulls a gun on him. <laughs> it's tiny. A lot of guns in this movie. Yeah, there yeah. are. I mean, it, yeah, there's a lot of guns in this movie. And sadly, I mean, I'll spoil this because this was a note from the end, but it's worth saying now because it applies to the whole movie. Lots of guns, no good squibs. Yeah, no good squibs. I love a squib. Me too. And, I love a real squib. And it's just like for a movie where Jason gets shot this many times, like, I, at least towards the end, like, legit no squibs like they're Mm -hmm. like she's shooting him or i think somebody's shooting him in the chest and it's just like you don't even see a bullet right right it's just like Like not even dust coming off yeah yeah um so lisbeth is all freaked out uh jason stabs darren in the chest with his pole blood flies all over the windshield there is a lot of good blood splatter yeah in this i think that's what they did it seems like instead mm-hmm. of showing a lot of gore, they just splash blood on stuff, which is yeah, cool. But I mean, exactly. do both, man. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, and then he throws Jason throws him into the woods. She gets out of the car and tries to give Jason money to leave her alone, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> and a really old ass Amex card. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so he, j- uh, I didn't say this, but he jabs the spear into the car and it breaks the windshield. Mm -hmm. If you watch that, they only did one take. Uh And when they hit the windshield, the spear radically changes direction. It goes towards where she's diving, right? Exactly. And it it came very, very close to actually stabbing her. Yeah. I was, I, I noticed that weird, you know, because it's when you watch it, it almost feels like you wonder, it's like, Oh, maybe he got her. I guess he got her. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't get her, and she is like in a mud puddle. Um, and you think for a second that that worked, offering him money, mm-hmm. um, because Jason's is gone. Then he just jumps down on top of her and stabs her through the head into yeah. the mud puddle. Kind of an um, un-Jason move, like the yeah to like hide the, and like yeah, jump out, like a it. like a playing like Jason doesn't you know play with his prey. He just he's a killing machine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's creative in his like approach to right. He enjoys killing, killing but, he, but yeah, he doesn't like. He's just coming at you. Yeah, you know what I mean. And he really is in this movie. And I'll say that's something that I like about this. I love how kind of just like kill to kill to kill. He's always just stalking to the next person he's going to murder, and that's something I really enjoy about this movie. Yeah, and his pacing. He's like a, he's like the Terminator. Yeah, or you're right. Just he like, is program to kill yeah before we move on from this scene do you think there's anything freudian about the fact that the director made his wife spend i don't know how much time in a big ass mud puddle i know <laughs> and apparently uh her head was under the water and they, she had like a, like a scuba uh-huh. gear thing yeah that was filling with mud Ugh. and it was like mud was going down her throat so it was really miserable oh my god yeah i know uh so tommy wakes up in jail uh, there are some teens there looking for Darren and Elizabeth, their counselors. We meet Sissy, Court, who's the dude, mm-hmm. uh, Megan, who's the sheriff's daughter, mm-hmm. and Paula, who is Elizabeth's sister. Wait, She's the one Paula's Elizabeth's sister? I didn't even check that. I didn't track that. Huh. 
Yeah, it's Elizabeth's sister. Okay. It doesn't come up again. Got it. <laughs> cool. Uh, so Tommy, of course, says, well, they're missing because Jason's out there. And Megan is, like, immediately intrigued yeah. by Tommy. She she has the hots for Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tommy freaks him out with a bunch of Jason talk. And this, because uh, I just watched Jaws again last week. And uh-huh. this scene re- very much reminded me of, like, closing the beaches with the sheriff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or the mayor. Um, and she tells her dad, don't beat him up too badly. He's kind of cute. Um, <laughs> did you, f- I, my first note was, I wrote this down. This is Megan's dad looks like he's 10 years older than she is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I went and checked it out. It's 16. So yeah, yeah. 16 years older. Yeah. There's a 16 year age difference. And Oh, wow. Get this odd piece of trivia. Uh, so the guy who plays, uh, Garris, Sheriff Garris, David Kagan is in real life. Jennifer Cook, who plays Megan, was her acting teacher at the time. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah they cover that. Um, that's that's, and that's why they do. I mean, they do have some pretty good chemistry. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Tommy's warning them that Jason's going to return to the place that Jason's most familiar with, which is Camp Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. And my note is he seems to know a lot about reanimated Jason. Yeah. Like this is uncharted territory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How does he know this? <laughs> I mean, I think it's just like, you know, you just sound like you've been there before, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's, just, he's making all of this shit up. Yeah. Dre- dress for the job you want. Yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> is Jason Hunter. Oh, that was something I'm, I uh, wanted to bring up. In part four with Rob Dyer, mm-hmm. apparently they cut uh, or they never shot. He was supposed to have a bunch of high tech Jason hunting equipment. Oh. <laughs> it's probably good that they cut that. That's something I heard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we meet a drunken old kook, uh, Martin, a real Ralph type. Yeah, but uh, he's, he's no Ralph. The <laughs> he's no Ralph. I was, I was thinking of that that old quote the. And I was like, I've met Ralph, and you, sir, are no Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy's this guy's a drunk. Uh, he buries um, Horshack in Jason's grave. Uh, and he's talking to himself the whole time. Then we get to the camp. The camp looks great. It looks so much better than the ones that were in California. Yeah. Um, this- yeah, Georgia. Who kn- Georgia, who, yeah. Who knew? But yeah, it absolutely... This is for sure the best location we've been on since part two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess in part one, it also looks great too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one, they, they actually like the camp looks like like at least the dock and lake area mm-hmm. looked a lot like the first movie. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, the teens are bringing the supply in courts wearing this ridiculous cutoff shirt. <laughs> that, <laughs> Only a man his age and his physique can pull off. Uh, fucker. Oh, you know what? Jonathan Van Ness has been pulling it off in the latest <laughs> season of Queer Eye. Fair enough. I like he's been embracing his belly. I enjoy it. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I've noticed the same and it gives me hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're talking about Jason, his legend, and if he's really coming back. Megan's mm-hmm. really into it. Also, they drop that it is Friday the 13th. Right, right. So this is maybe the first Friday the 13th since the original? That might be, yeah. 
Um, are they, and they're like unpacking stuff here, right? From the yeah, car. they're bringing like food supplies yeah. and stuff I, from I, the campers. They're so sissy walks into the house initially carrying the biggest goddamn bag of popcorn I've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> it's like, it's like the size of a barrel and she has, but she has both arms around it. And I just wrote down that <laughs> I love the idea. Like it's such a funny stupid joke in my head that like the idea that all of that is for her that she's just like she's <laughs> like this is my pop my this is my popcorn you can't have any <laughs> sissy can i have some of yours no get your own barrel uh and then the students arrive and this is the first time we've actually had kids in a, in these movies yeah we had some in bed in the first oh one, right, right in the first movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And is are, are there kids at the sing along at the beginning of that, or is it just is it just counselors? It's just counselors okay. next to the fire, yeah. so, but the kids are sleeping. Yeah, so those might not even be real kids. I don't know. I didn't bother to check. <laughs> they're like they're like little people, from like in yeah. Wizard of Oz. Yeah, they could have been little people. Uh, it could have been a dwarf situation. <laughs> yeah, just... all the kids are they're in bed, but they're sitting on their knees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so, oh yeah, we meet Roy and Larry. Oh, these fucking guys, the paintballers. Oh, I, okay. It, cut, I, it cuts to these corporate, these like paintballers on a corporate retreat. Mm-hmm. They're absolute weirdos. Yeah. So this is one of the things where I was like, this isn't, it's like fireworks. Um, yep. It's a. Uh, July sixteenth, seventeenth. <laughs> now here in here in Texas, at least. Um, yeah. yeah. So what I was gonna say is it's just it's just incongruous. This whole scene, these people, they just mm-hmm. don't fit into the movie for me. It's like it's like I have you seen Troma's War? Yes, that's a movie I love. I think it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very offensive, but it's a trauma movie. Like, I yeah. What am I? I have to. You know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't bring my wokeness into a trauma movie. Or just yeah, yeah, yeah. My head, my my brain circuits will fry <laughs> and my head will explode. Um, but it's like it work. It, that's the tone of this scene, and it like mm-hmm. it's just like it's too far out. It's just trying to go too far out. This is like straight up comedy, and yeah, yes. It's like sitcom comedy. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. Keep keep talking about the scene. I have a couple more notes on it, but let's let's. No, I, I agree. This this is one of the comedic scenes that just didn't work for me. Uh, so there's salesmen on a retreat, and Jason's watching them through the woods. Uh, the female coworker pops out and shoots like the two dudes. Yeah, one of whom uh, makes them. Yeah, one of whom is is fat, and we know that because he always wants a sandwich. So we have some more really <laughs> high quality fat guy joking. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Um, another. Oh yeah, then we cut to like this like misogynistic guy who's really pissed about her winning the game, and he's like, "She should have stayed in the kitchen where she belongs." It does not work. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do enjoy that Jason kills him next. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just Jason grabs him. It's so broad, like it all of a sudden just went to like, it feels like fucking. Yes, this is like Caddyshack two. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was so. Yeah, that's like the exact kind of, kind of reference I thought of, or like Police Academy or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. This feels of a piece with a Police Academy movie. 
Uh, so Jason grabs him, throws him against this tree, this tree, and he goes like face first onto a branch. And then when he falls away, we see there's like a smiley face that's carved in the tree and it's covered in blood now. And Jason's also holding his arm, uh, which is holding a machete. So now Jason has a machete. I found this kill to be really confusing. Me too. That's exactly what's happening. 100%. Like, all right, so does he stab himself on the branch and the branch breaks off? Because the branch is gone. And also his right. arm got ripped off. I mean, I – yeah. And like – or did they – did they go so far with the dumb jokes that we're supposed to think that his face smashing into the tree left a smiley that, face? That's what I was unclear of, of, too. Like, did his face cause the smiley face? Which yeah. would be really dumb. It would. That would be, like, a really, really bad. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, it would be better if, like, it's just an imprint of his yeah. face in the wood. It would be kind of cool. But Yeah. I also th- would be cool. I think that something that they're going for here is kind of Jason like not realizing his own strength because he's been reanimated which uh-huh. which I actually think that's cool and that's like that would be enough of a funny joke for me if he was just like if he accidentally ripped a dude's arm off and then was and he like, kind of like looked at it like a yeah. dog or something like yeah. just clocked his head yeah, yeah. like that's be fun. that's the kind of joke that I can that I can run with um I have one more thing too which is just like I wanted to shout out that I feel like this is a very 80s thing of these like of like hyper military like like yeah like regular citizen civilians getting like really into military stuff and it's like i yes. you know i take this so seriously and it's like this is like, I, I, I there's a bunch of movies i can't think of examples of but it felt like such a familiar trope to me no i i know what you mean uh and it's like that citizens on patrol kind of yeah. feel to it yeah exactly um so we get a brief scene brief scene with Tommy and Sheriff, and the sheriff is driving Tommy out of town. Just wants nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. Then we're back with the nerd paintballers. Um, uh, Roy, I guess it is. He's bumbling through the woods. Mm-hmm. He, like, loses his gun. He's got these glasses yeah. that come back, literally come back later. Um, then Jason pops out of a tree. and de- Oh, there's the three paintballers looking for him. Right. Jason pops out of the tree and then one fell swoop decapitates them all uh, for a, now we're bringing the body count up to six and then Jason shoots. I'm sorry. Roy shoots Jason with a paintball. Jason kind of looks down at it. It was sort of funny. Then Roy runs off and we cut away from that. So apparently in the, in the original cut, mm. that actually was more gory than mm what we see that was something that the MPAA made them cut okay. uh, to the point where the special effects guy, he described like the, the gag they used, which is like, there was like uh, a little switch that would flip e- for every head. So they okay. pop off like in time and we see like blood squirt out and then we see them hit the ground. Um, and he was all excited to see it. And then right before it aired, like they're at the premiere right before it came on screen. Somebody's like, Oh yeah, they cut the blood. They cut the decapitation mm. scene. He's like, "What?" And then that's, and it was like, "What you see now?" That's gotta suck. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, so Tommy takes a detour to the cemetery, and the the sheriff like a high speed chase ensues. Uh, and Tommy just wants to prove that Jason's body is dug up. He is taking way too many risks for this. This he just gets. 
get the fuck out of town. Yeah. So my note says Tommy Jarvis's plan sucks. In all caps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'll give a shout out to the the in Voorhees we rust we <laughs> in Voorhees we trust with Gorley and Russ podcast, which I listened to on their their covering of this uh, movie. They brought up the point that if Tommy had done nothing. Yeah. If Tommy had not gone to dig mm-hmm. up Jason's corpse, yeah. none of this would have happened. No, no. He's responsible for he all of this. He would have been dead. <laughs> yeah. And he takes no uh, and he takes no responsibility for any of it. Yeah, he, at any he really point. doesn't. Yeah. He's just, he's kinda like walking around like, hey, see, I told you. Yeah. Like, no, you fucking did this, yeah. dude. <laughs> uh not to steal their bit, but I <laughs> I thought that was an excellent point that I hadn't yeah. thought of myself. Um so the sheriff tackles him in the cemetery. Um, he insists to bring it, he, that he's going to bring him to Jason's grave, but it's all covered up by the groundskeeper. Then uh, Deputy Cologne pulls a fucking pistol on him with a huge laser scope. For yeah, um, it's just. And, and Tommy's like, "You got to dig him up." And then Martin, the uh, groundskeeper, says, "Dig him up." Does he think I'm a fart head? <laughs> fucking. Yeah. Does he think I'm a fart head? Yeah, this sequence does not work for me. Um, I think Martin in general, we're going to get to some of the worst Martin stuff, but he is not a favorite character of mine. Uh, um, it, it sounds like I'm being overly harsh on this movie. Actually, I, I, I enjoy this movie. I like this one. Uh, but I think when you're pointing out, when you're doing a podcast and you're pointing out beat by beat, moments in the script you're just kind of going to focus on the sure weird shit. yeah yeah but I mean, whatever um so the counselors megan paula and sissy are uh talking to the girl campers court is seriously outnumbered with the boys um he, he's, he's the only one uh and then uh yeah i mean he, he like teaches them about like indian marking stones and i think he p- teaches them how to like pick up a girl or something like that yeah, it gets it. It's I think it's yeah. It's trying to be funny and it almost lands. Yeah, one of the little kids. I thought the two little boys are kind of funny. Yeah, it's like if this is exciting as it gets, we're in big trouble, dude. Yeah. Um, the sheriff boots Tommy out of town, and he says, "I sh- you should be leaving. Use uh, you should be leaving with using your balls as earrings." <laughs> um, it's better when I don't stumble through it. But Martin. <laughs> is stumbling home drunk through the woods. Yeah. Uh, and we meet a couple who are also in the woods named Annette and Steven, and they are toasting their engagement. Yeah. I, um, I wrote down Steven equals poor man's Ted dancing. <laughs> uh, and this was shot in Griffith park. Cause this is, this is the extra yeah. bodies that they needed for, the studio to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, a rock rolls behind Martin as he's like walking through the woods, and uh, he throw he he looks at his bottle. He's like, "Darling, you're gonna be the death of me, but what a way to go!" And throws uh, the bottle into the air, but it doesn't land. No. Oh shit! Jason has it. He breaks it and stabs him in the neck. So this would be an example of some of the tongue-in-cheek business that I think works. I think like mm-hmm. the him saying the thing to the bottle and getting killed with the bottle, like this, just on the nose enough that I enjoyed this. 
Yeah. I just want to be fair that I don't not enjoy all of it, you know. Sometimes sometimes Right, but it's it's it is hit or miss. Yeah. Um it is hit or miss. Uh so Steven investigates cuz he heard a sound and he sees Jason, Jason chases him and they try to get on their like Vespa, their like <laughs> scooter and Jason stabs them both at the same time with a machete. Uh, body count goes up to nine. I, my note here is like the deaths in this movie are really lame. Yeah. Like there's no getting away or no mm-hmm. getting around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we see the campers. They're asleep. One girl is reading Jean-Paul Sartre's No Exit, which I thought was pretty funny. That was really funny. Yes. <laughs> um, I want to try to figure out how to play this game because Paula and Sissy are playing cards and they decide to play a game called Camp Blood. And basically, it's like they hide a Jason card in a pile of cards, which are the cabins, and you have to decide which cabin Jason's in. I bet there's there. Well, maybe not, but I bet somebody has figured out how to play that. I would like to play that. Sure, or maybe it's a real game that they just rebranded Camp Blood and made Jason. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, If you guys know out there, write in. Let us know. I want to play. Uh, so then they hear a, one of the girl campers scream and they go and investigate it. It's Nancy. Um, and she says she saw a monster around here. I noticed that sissy, did you notice what sissy is wearing? Like, is she, is she wearing in her football uniform at this point? Like, yeah, she has a football Jersey yeah. over sweatpants and suspenders. She's wearing suspenders under her football Jersey. Wait, that is rem- that a football thing? No, but that reminds me of something. Somebody in something wearing suspenders underneath or something like that. I don't know, but that's a that's a good yeah, outfit. In her 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 uh, her um, sweatpants are like rolled up real real low too. Mm. Uh, I'm not complaining, just noticing. <laughs> uh, so we cut to Court and Nikki, and you, do you recognize Nikki? Um, no, I didn't recognize Nikki. She is the girl from the aerobics video in part four. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, we didn't see much of her face in that one. No, 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 no. Uh, but it, she is, she came in to audition also in part five. Oh, is this for, is this the girl who lost out to the playboy playmate? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she ended up dating that dude for a while. Yes, yeah. exactly. Hmm. And apparently, this scene was supposed was uh, supposed to have nudity, mm-hmm. but they just like it wasn't planned. Her- no, yeah. no, no, it wasn't planned. They asked her on the day, and she had already signed her contracts yeah. and stuff. And she's like, "No." Yeah. And the director's like, "Okay," mm-hmm. which you know, good on him. Uh, so Court and Nikki are in their Winnebago in this Winnebago boning. And- I thought this was really funny. And she, she says, like, you just have to last as long as the song. And he's like, ah, oh, no sweat. And she's like, it's only 10 more minutes. And yeah. he looks really scared. <laughs> yeah. Um, you got to start twisting one of your nuts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? Wow. Mike Price going blue. Rare occasion. Yeah. On this show. I don't do it too much. Well, you know, we, I don't know. I got family that my list that listens to this. Um, so Jason's outside and he pulls the power and when she gets off of him, 
She's like, Court, you did it already. He's like, well, wasn't that the end of the song? <laughs> that was good. That was a good bit. I was into it. Uh, I like legitimately laughed at that. Yeah. Court's tits look awesome in the beginning of this scene, by the way. I was going to say that, that Court is the only tits we see in this movie. <laughs> and it's funny because the way they shoot it, it is like his shirt is pulled up to show them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want, uh, who knows if that was like an intentional thing. It's like, well, we can't give him women's boobs. So let's give him court. <laughs> Make somebody happy. <laughs> um. So he goes outside to check on it. Check on it. Um. And uh, sees that the plug has been ripped, not just like unplugged, but it's been torn. Um. And so they get into the Winnebago. And it won't start. And she's like, oh. oh, he's like, no way. This this isn't happening. Like, he's getting all freaked out. He thinks something's wrong. And she's like, yeah, you're right. It's not. And flips it to, like, battery power mm-hmm. or something like that. Or it's like the gas power. Yeah. Um, I like that they make her not a dummy. Then he starts the car, and she is just fucking flying all over the place. <laughs> uh, this also, the guy who plays this is John Travolta's um, nephew. Interesting. John Travolta's nephew. You know what? That makes sense because I only took a cursory glance at his IMDb and I did notice that he was in a number of John Travolta movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Is he is he in Michael? Uh, I think he is in Michael. Oh, really? I know he's in Face Off. Um, oh, badass. Yeah. And, oh, no, he's not in Michael. He's in Phenomenon. I always get those two Oh, mixed yeah, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael, yeah. too. <laughs> Michael Part Two, phenomenal. Yeah, um, yeah, a bunch of is Mad City. Is that a Travolta movie? I think it might. Be. I don't know. But anyways, so su- suddenly Jason pops out of the bathroom and grabs Nikki, and they struggle in the bathroom. Uh, Court thinks she's like jerking off in there, <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing in there? You need me back there or something like that?" Uh-huh. Um, Jason forces her face into the side of the Winnebago. And it like pops out the like we see the other side of the wall like basically in the shape of her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty gruesome. Yeah, I kind of like for this. this movie. Yeah. And then Jason comes up behind him and stabs him in the temple with a Rambo knife. <laughs> the camper hits the side of the road and launches on its side. Uh, body count goes up to eleven. Does this qualify as our first low speed crash? It's. Pretty high speed, but if this is the only yeah. one we get, I'll take it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it's not a van, but it's a big vehicle. Um, it's a very epic crash. And I did write that when he, uh, to, to steal your job for a second, right after this crash, the door, which is now facing the sky because the RV is on its side, bursts open because mm-hmm. he busts it open with his hand, gets out and stands on top. It was cool. I liked it. It's a cool scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's like burning under him. Yeah. It's very epic. And yeah, the fire around the RV as he's standing atop it. It's a cool shot. Uh, and then back at the sheriff's office, the sheriff is yelling at his daughter, Megan, about Tommy. They drop that her mom died. The phone rings and she answers it. And it's like, sorry, sheriff can't come. He's draining in the. He's in the can draining his lizard. (laughs) Gross thing to say about your father. Yeah, seriously. The deputy found the bodies of Darren and Lisbeth, uh, and says that somebody killed them using Jason's old mo, 
So immediately the sheriff thinks it's Tommy and he's doing it to prove that the legend is true. Yeah. Which is actually like kind of good logic, I it's guess. It's good logic, but he just abandons any idea of investigation or gathering evidence and he's just like well clearly this is what's happening we have to arrest this kid right now and it's like well this is just your yeah. theory you have no proof that he did this yeah. right 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 yeah tommy's lawyer could have a field day with that absolutely uh in tommy's car or his truck he has a bunch of books on the undead and the occult <laughs> And I, I, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, say so I just I love this trope in, yeah. in movies when they just get a book from the library and find out what they need to know. Yeah, grow this. I growing up, I just assumed that I would be able to go like every major city would have an occult bookstore where I could go and get yeah. uh, information about you know vampires and werewolves and shit. Yeah, how to get rid of the witch that lives in your attic or something. <laughs> Um, also Megan's sorry uh, just to belabor this because why would we ever move on at a steady pace Um, did this I was like half paying attention and it felt to me that like he had gone into a gas station or something to get these occult books and he was like getting back he's like like getting back in his car he's like all right yeah I bought some occult books at the gas station let's see what they say well, I think he is at the gas station because he calls he calls Megan on the mm-hmm. phone, uh, and uh, she tells him that like you know her father's looking for her, yeah, um, and she said she'll come pick him up. And I, I think he like up. I he like dumps down. them out of a bag like he just bought them at the abandoned gas station. I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm literally watching. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm watching. Oh, you're watching scene it right now. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then Jason comes to Camp Forest Green. Mm-hmm. He's there. Uh, the EMTs are loading the bodies into the woods, and the the sheriff's there. Somebody finds another body. It's it's Roy's bloody glasses and, and like an arm and a leg. So the body count's now up to twelve. Um, and they once again drop it. Like, well, that boy wants everyone to believe his story. Well, he picked the right day to pull this off. Happy Friday the 13th. Uh, it smells like fire outside of my house. Great. Always, it's always troubling in Los Angeles when you smell fire. Yeah. I mean, I guess anywhere, but especially here. I'm sure it's just related to those fireworks that went off an hour ago. Probably, yeah. They, they, they lit the hillside on fire, right? <clears throat> Amazing. <laughs> Love it. Um, Sissy back at the camp senses something wrong. She's reading. She looks out of her. She's reading Men at Play magazine, which looks like a really. Oh, I didn't see that. It looks like a really fun magazine. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. I like Sissy. Um, she looks out the window and she's like, "Who's there?" That wakes Paula up, and Paula says it's probably Court. So to teach him a lesson, Sissy dumps a can of soda out of the window, which she thinks probably is court there, but I'm like, yeah, like Jason gets doused with like seven up or something. (laughs) If this was an M night Uh, Shyamalan movie, we'd find out that that was his weakness. (laughs) Carbonated, like clear soda. Gets him. Yeah. Oh, just get the lemon lime soda. Uh, she looks out the window. Jason grabs her, 
pulls her out, twists her head all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. Body count goes up to 13. This is cool. It looks cool, but it is just a bloodless version of the best kill from part four, which is. Yeah. Or one of the yeah. best kills from part four, I should say. Yeah, a lot. It's a lot of retreads. Like not not a lot of uh, ingenuity went yeah. into these kills. Yeah, you know it's something we never touched on at the beginning, but I do want to say just because this movie's playing in front of me right now, it looks good. It looks like a professional. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. High quality production, and I. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I want. I want to totally shout that out. That this like, I think this is definitely the most like real movie looking one we've had in the series so far yeah i mean i thought four looked pretty good five did not three did not yeah yeah i agree this one this one does look the best though Mm -hmm. i think um megan gets tommy jason's at the camp he walks by the kid's window uh and nancy notices uh megan and tommy get to a roadblock and it's like the cops looking for him so she pushes her head, his head down yeah. to hide him from the cops right next to her camel toe, man. It's disgusting. Except it's not even a camel toe. It's just her yeah. jeans. Right in her crotch. I thought it was disgusting. I was so offended. <laughs> Wait a second. Um, the sh- Holy shit. I think... I'm sorry. The minute play scene just played. I this is this is very unprofessional. I really shouldn't be half watching the movie while I'm doing the podcast. But I'm pretty sure on the cover of Minute Play, I think Minute Play is a completely Greeked version of a real magazine because there's tape over all sorts of stuff. And, oh really? And there's two people on the cover, and there's tape over both their eyes, and I'm pretty sure one of them is Alexander Gudinov, the former ballet dancer turned <laughs> turned actor who you would know as like the lead baddie who isn't uh alan rickman in die hard uh oh yeah 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 the blonde guy you know yeah. uh he's also in the money pit and some other stuff but yeah eagle-eyed viewers check it out i'm pretty sure men at play <laughs> is just a real magazine with alexander goodenough on the cover and they put tape over his eyes okay sorry wow. that's a crazy diversion back to megan's camel toe <laughs> the cops start chasing her um and then after a chase they finally hit another roadblock yeah she's got a uh, sick camaro she um, does have a sick camaro and yeah they do a really bad like handbrake 180 you know mm-hmm. it's like a classic move and it's really poorly executed <laughs> <laughs> um yeah her, her father finds her paul is sleeping Jason has his bloody machete and she wakes up in fright. Oh, but it's not Jason. It's Nancy. Uh, Paula says it's, you know, she's Nancy's all freaked out. Mm. Says she saw something again. Uh, she brings Nancy back to the bunk and um, Jason's watching him the entire time. Mm. Of course, in the sheriff's office, they're trying to call the camp, but the phone's dead. Cause Jason cut the line. Um, he, he again says Tommy's doing all this. Uh, they found Court Nikki's body, and but Megan says Tommy has been with her, you know, when they would have died. Right. So this starts to convince the sheriff a little bit. Uh, Paula tucks Nancy into bed and tells her about the little prayer trick, and uh, Jason's like right up in that window, and they don't notice. 
Like I feel like I feel like I would notice. Yeah, he's big uh, and he's dr- he's throwing a lot of shadows. Uh, did you notice the sound of a hawk crying in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Not I don't think they're traditionally a nocturnal animal. But... <laughs> um, Paula ro- runs through a cabin, crowing <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> It's like they I think you meant to do an owl there. Yeah. Um there's a tense moment where the door blows open, she closes it, and then it blows open again, and Jason pops in. And then he kills her off screen with the machete. So they just see some like blood splash mm-hmm. on the window. Yeah. Yeah. More uh, more of these uh, it's like it does it doesn't even count towards the body count, really. I mean it does because it has to, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't which is feel 14. like it. Yeah. Um, Megan's scheming to break Tommy out, and uh, basically they trick Rick Cologne, Deputy Rick Cologne, to uh, uh, Jason. Oh, not J- yeah, Jason. Jason <laughs> pretends to kiss her. No, Tommy kisses her. Yeah. Uh, Rick Cologne jumps into action, but they grab his keys and his gun. Uh, what's her face? Megan, Megan. pulls his yeah. gun on a cop. Yeah. She points the gun in his face. Yeah. Jesus. It's all just this plan is not even a plan. Yeah. No. Yeah. I do like her line. He's like, Megan, don't clown around. And then she's like, I'm the one. Uh, wait, what? You're the one with the big red nose. <laughs> you like you I, liked that I, line? I, I really. Yeah, I guess so. And I did a really good job reading it. too. <laughs> yeah, you definitely because <laughs> I definitely it. wrote it. I definitely wrote it correctly. <laughs> Uh, so Tommy, his plan is so fucking dumb. It's serious. It's my least favorite part of the show of this movie. Yeah. So his plan is to go where Jason drowned. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of dead leaves on the ground. I noticed too. So I guess this is fall camp. Yeah. Well, they always shoot at these camps in the fall because they got to get in there when there's no kids. Right. Um, and, right. And the what? But you know, I assume you want the water to be, you know, warm enough people can go in it. So uh, Jason goes into the girl's bunk. Nancy sees him. He like hovers over her. She prays. Uh, just then the police arrive and that distracts Jason because when she opens her eyes, he's gone. Um, the sheriff opens Sissy and Paula's cabin and it is fucking covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like totally or one of the sheriffs, not not the sheriff. Oh, maybe it is. Yeah. Uh, and then Jason kills a cop on the dock by throwing a knife into his head. Um, the sheriff notices that Nancy's bed is missing. Uh, but then Nancy just scares another cop. Then that cop gets killed by Jason. Is this uh, the but co- not before. Is this the guy yeah. with the awesome fur lined police jacket? It's like, I didn't notice. I think it's like super. It's, it's, it's very fashion. I thought it looked dope. Uh, Oh, yeah, everybody should go again. look it up. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's easy to find on Google. Uh, and this is when the sheriff shoots him, or the cop shoots him to no effect. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jason crushes his skull with his bare hands. Body count 16. All the campers wake up. The sheriff leads them all into the girls' cabin, so they're all in one place. Tells them to lie under their beds. Um the sheriff trips and falls over a dead cop. Uh, and then he gets up and he's face to face with Jason 
who he shoots with a shotgun to know well it does have an effect it knocks, knocks him, him over. down yeah knocks him down he's dead it's the end of the series uh <laughs> just kidding he pops back up he's shot again and then he's out of bullets with his shotgun so he shoots him with his pistol um and jason only really stumbles when he gets shot in the head but it doesn't kill him so Tommy and Megan arrive. They find the campers. Uh, Tommy goes to the dock with this like thick chain and puts mm-hmm. it in, uh, into the canoe. So his plan is to get this chain around Jason, tie it around a rock, and then get Jason out into the water so he can tie the he can put the chain noose around Jason's neck and drown him again it's, or get him under the water. It is completely nonsensical. It is. It's so it's so dumb. Like it is, um, it's dumb enough that it forced me to spend time during the movie like puzzling over how it would possibly work, and like yeah. it's dumb enough to be distracting from the movie. Like there's dumb stuff in lots of these movies where you just go, oh, okay, whatever. But like this is so confounding that it is a distraction from the viewing experience. Yeah, totally. It's in like. All right, let's say his plan worked perfectly and Jason is now under the water with his chain noose on. Right. Wouldn't he eventually just find a way to get out? Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, because the other thing is, it's like, all right, I mean, we kind of have to spoil a little bit of what's coming to just discuss yes. the stupidity of this and whatever. We're almost yeah. at the end. There's a couple things that really, really bother me. And one is a direct response or like in in addition to what you're saying, it's like, okay, so the worst thing that the chain is going to do is weight you all the way down to the bottom, right? Like it's like it's yeah. only him trying to swim up and he's not drowning. So all he has to do is sink to the bottom and then lift the chain off of himself and then swim back up again. Right, yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, to back up a little bit, like, so I guess Tommy's whole plan, like, he, for his plan to work, the water has to be deep enough to sink Jason under it, plus the length of chain, right? Mm-hmm. So he rows his boat out to that depth and then is, like, somehow confused and also handicapped by the fact that Jason has disappeared underwater mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is exactly what would happen if you go out into water that deep like I know it's none of this makes any sense at all no it is a dumb dumb yeah. plan like there's yeah. no two two ways around and about it also <laughs> there is at the beginning of this scene it start there's a shot that starts with Megan finishing dropping the boulder into the boat and he like can barely and it's like am i to believe that she just lifted up this boulder and tossed right, it right. into the boat none of this makes any sense at all no yeah. we skipped ahead a little bit but that's okay yeah. it, i did want to circle back for one funny line one of the boy campers says to the others like so what did you what were you going to be when you grew up which i thought was pretty funny pretty funny guys see we have we like to have fun over here at kill streak <laughs> Uh, Jason kills the sheriff uh, in a really fun way. Not fun exactly, but Jason folds him in half. Yeah, and this is one uh, I wrote the idea 
of doing this, of snapping the sheriff in half, is great, but the execution sucks. Yes. It is yeah. dark, and you barely see any of it, and yeah. Uh, it, it was one that the MPAA had a problem with. Fair, it, fair it, enough. It went slower and more, like, it was clearer to know what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Tommy's got his big rock in the canoe. They're cheering. They're chaining it up. Um, Jason starts chasing him into the woods. Uh, sorry, into the water. Wow, I'm a mess right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and then, yeah, once he's up to his neck in the water, he just goes under. So Tommy starts pouring gas on the water to light the water on fire. Look, I guess. Does that work? I don't know. Yeah, that brings... That brings uh, undead serial killers to the surface you didn't know that yeah <laughs> no i guess I, did. I should read those occult books yeah I got yeah he's got books all right so suspend your disbelief <laughs> dude um so tommy gets a chain around the boat breaks yeah they fall into the water this th- uh, this dumb plan did lead to a very cool set piece of this boat yes surrounded by flames in a lake it looks cool it's just it does. it's just stupid, but it looks cool. Yeah. And I did like that the uh they fall next to the Camp Blood Crystal Lake sign yeah. on the bottom mm-hmm. of the of the lake. Uh, they struggle underwater, Jason chokes him out, Tommy floats to the surface, Megan dives in to get Tommy, but then Jason grabs her foot and pulls her under, but she manages to get away, starts the motor of the boat, and backs it up into his head i guess yeah the geography of this makes no sense at all like the depth of it it's yeah yeah it's like a boat motor sits six inches below the surface well apparently it was shot in the director's dad's pool (laughs) the the underwater stuff dad i gotta Um, use the pool (laughs) uh it is pretty gross like the stuff that comes out of jason's head or neck or whatever i'm not really sure because then you see him after and his head's intact like it doesn't look like he's damaged at all yeah yeah it bugs me it's not something i like um so she gives tommy cpr he's alive he says it's over it's finally over jason's home we cut to the lake at during the day jason's down there his head looks fine and his eyes open that's the end of friday the 13th part six yeah the return of Freddy. <laughs> I have one. Jason lives. I have one more note at the end. It's all. It's in all caps, and it just says, "No nudity." Mm-hmm. Yeah. In case you were wondering, up to the credits. Yeah. There's no nudity during the credits. No. No. That would be very funny to like. All right, so we didn't have any nudity in our movie. We're con- <laughs> contractually obliged, obligated to. Here's a bunch of boobs just at like, the end of the movie. Like <laughs> fake bloopers. It's <laughs> just yeah. like in, yeah. interstitial. That'd be good. Um, so we got a body count of 17. Um, then, Mike, who would you say was your favorite character? All uh, right. My favorite character in Friday the 13th, part six. Jason lives. You always ask. You always ask me first. It's never fair. I'm sorry, but I can no, give it. No, yeah, do yours uh, first. My my favorite because I thought she was funny uh, was Nikki. Okay. 
although she was short-lived literally in the movie uh, I did think like she, the actress who played her was funny. Mm-hmm. She sold her lines well. I like that scene. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think my pick goes with her. Okay. My favorite character is, I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't form a super positive relationship with any of these characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that kind of goes to part of what I don't like about this movie is like, you know, I've spoken at length about in how much I enjoyed part two. And a lot of that was because I really liked a a good handful of those characters. I will say that Megan is probably, I think she might be, I think one of the strongest final girls we've had in this series in terms of like, she's a pretty solid actress, actor, sorry. Uh, That's so neither here nor there um she's 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 attractive she um is competent as a character throughout the entire movie which is something mm-hmm. i enjoy so i just think overall um in a rel- for me in a relatively weak cast she kind of stands out um and yeah so i'm going to go with our hero our heroine i guess i don't know I'm confused and scared. Um. <laughs> I think that's good. It's a good pick. Cool. Do you want to know uh, a fun thing about Megan? Uh, mm-hmm. So, Megan, promising acting career that ended uh, quite abruptly after she married a man named Mo Siegel who is one of the founders of Celestial Seasonings, the tea company. What? Yeah. So this was the sec this is the last movie she she has on IMDb and the second to last credit she has. She has two episodes of a TV miniseries in the same year. Never acts again. Marries a millionaire tea magnate. Uh and then the two of them uh now are heavily involved in I don't want to be super judgmental, so I'm not going to call it a cult. <laughs> <laughs> but um so there is this book i sent you a link to this last night um, yeah so the name of this book uh <laughs> i learned some weird stuff it is called the urantia book it's spelled u-r-a-n-t-i-a if you're interested in looking into this um i'm just gonna read this verbatim because I don't know how else to describe this. <clears throat> the Urantia book, sometimes called the Urantia Papers, or the Fifth Epochal Revelation, is a spiritual, philosophical, and religious book that originated in Chicago sometime between 1924 and 1955. The authorship remains a matter of speculation. It has received various degrees of interest, ranging from praise to criticism, for its religious and science content, its unusual length, and its lack of a known author. Does that sound crazy or what? Yeah. So there are people, there are no, I guess, official churches per se or priests in this religion. And it's, it's, it's like arguably not even a religion. It's more of just a religious book. But anyways, Uh there is something called the Urantia Foundation. And if you look at their fundraisers and their public events, you will find um, 
Jennifer no longer Cook, now Jennifer Siegel and her husband Mo Siegel all over this stuff. Um, wow. So that is what became of our Megan. Since we're going down this path, yeah. I was sending you links last night. Yes. Because I um I started to look at like the Friday the thirteenth novels. Mm-hmm. And I found this weird rabbit hole where there's two different people claiming to be the author of some of these novels under the name Eric Morse, like Morse yeah. code. Yeah. Uh one of them is named like Dan Fox with two X's, and the other William Pat Pattison? Yeah. I believe. Pattison. Yeah. Pattison. And they're both claiming that they are the ones who wrote it. And are also both claiming that each other, the other person, is like a mentally unstable fan. And I just, it's so weird. I didn't know if it was a bit at first. It's crazy. But then I looked at like Dan Fox's Facebook page mm-hmm. and like his photos are clearly photoshopped. Like a really bad photoshop of him at a convention <laughs> with like, a, his, it's not even his him. It's just like his, his head on somebody else's body. But then I read that the guy... William Pattison is like accused of like sexually harassing like the Soska sisters and stuff. It's I encourage people to investigate this themselves. Wow. And it's the weirdest claim to fame or the weirdest like, oh no, I wrote these books nobody's heard of. You know, it's crazy. Uh so yeah, we both had our weird little adventures. And I guess if we're getting dark here, the oh. other person I looked up <laughs> was uh Sandra from part Two, oh sure marta cobra yeah marta cobra she seems like she is not doing well so she's uh, she struggled with serious drug problems for a long in time like mental right? yeah. i think like mental uh illness Fre- and stuff frequently yeah. go hand in hand yeah yeah exactly it was like homeless for a bit and like claims to like have have worked with all these like artists on def jam it's you know i <laughs> think a lot I don't, I don't even know what got us here, but uh, I don't know. Some of these cast members didn't fare so well, which is very sad. I'm not laughing at them. Sure. But it's just interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, back, so back much to, like this segment, the there are things that didn't age well. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, moment that aged the worst. I'm actually not really. Uh, I'm struggling to think of one um, other than like farcical comedy in the middle of the movie i mean yeah so my my note my pick for this one was um basically the whole paintball set piece uh yeah in terms of just tone and uh the character specifics i touched on the larry character uh and all the kind of fat stuff and but just like the whole thing it just feels like yeah, it feels very dated. It, it feels dated specifically mm-hmm. to the mid '80s. Um, best death. I think I I, I struggled with this one also, mm-hmm. but I think maybe my my favorite death is the one with the most impact. Mm. Uh, and it is Nikki getting her head pushed into the side of the Winnebago. Yeah, with like the impression, the impression of her. Yeah. Um, it's not gory. But it's effective. It's clever and it's new. Yeah. Yeah. 
if yeah. it's a novel for this series. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good one. That's definitely one of my top two. I'm going to go with uh, the very first death of the movie, uh, Alan. Uh, Horshack. Uh-huh. Horshack, oh, yeah, we yeah, hardly yeah. knew ye. But, um, <laughs> I mean, it's the kind of thing that's like very blunt and not entirely original but i was thinking about it it's like i don't think we've ever seen jason do that to anybody before no Um, no yeah so the punching into the chest and taking the heart straight out and for once we actually got to see a little bit of gore so you know that's that's my fave yeah that's a good pick good pick thanks dude uh so here on killstreak we like to rate the scariness on our carpenter scale this isn't a scary yeah. movie. Was there anything in this movie that you found scary? Nah. Uh, Jeez, no. Not really, no. Yeah. There's a tense moment when the door blows open before Paula gets killed. Mm-hmm. But, like, nothing scary. Yeah. No. yeah. It's a pretty, like, brightly lit movie, too. It is. And I think that the jokey tone also does take away from its ability to frighten uh yeah and i think again that's something that i kind of mean when i'm talking about edge where it's like yeah you know yeah other movies that manage to be uh horror comedies that work tend to be still scary i think you know a lot of those movies that i mentioned at the top like have some good scares in them so this one's gonna be pretty low on that old list it is. Um, what do you think? I, are we talking Starman territory? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, here's my question. It's like, are we going to watch Are we gonna watch movies that are less scary than this? My guess is yes. Right. You think so? My guess is actually no. Really? You mean in this series? No, no, I mean... Or in general. I mean on Killstreak. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. for sure, watch something that's less scary than this. Yeah, I think. But I don't. I don't think it should stop us from using. So this is the big, mm-hmm. uh, the big uh, difference we always have. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should stop us from using our lowest rating. Uh, but I'm not saying it should stop us from using our lowest rating ever. But I think we should think about, like, there are going to be movies that are just like jokey and cheesy and like, you know. Don't come close to ever being scary. I mean, I think I gave, if I'm remembering correctly, I think I gave Return of the Living Dead Part 2 a Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Yeah, I think that's... So. I think we're in the same territory here. I think so, too. Yeah, you know what? I think so, too. You want to go with Memoirs of an Invisible Man? I, let's let's put it in stone. All right, great. It's, it's agreed. All right, then. Uh, so, finally... This movie pass or fail for us, Mark. Mark. Mork. What say you, um, Mork? <laughs> so Gisseline. Wow. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with this. Is it skates by for me as a pass? Um, but yeah, in discussing this movie, I don't think the needle moved closer to me feeling good about it i think i think replaying a lot of the things that didn't work for me made me feel a little bit less affectionate towards it um and it's a bummer because there's a lot of stuff here that i like uh it's just i i think it gets lost amidst 
some other things. Uh, there are a handful of dope Alice Cooper songs on the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, we didn't mention <laughs> that, that. I really enjoyed. Yeah, Megan whipping around in her Camaro. We get a good one. The end credits. We get we get the classic. It's doesn't. It's not a title song. It's not called Jason Lives, but it is an Alice Cooper song written for this soundtrack about the movie. Uh, right. And it's dumb and it's Music fun. inspired by. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And I think that like, I really like, I, I want, I like this iteration of Jason. I, and this feels important to me. Um, we talked about at the beginning that it's like, this is that turning point when he becomes the sort of, supernatural killing machine that he'll remain for the rest of the series. Right. Um, and I love his sort of like non, like there's so much more of him stalking from location to location here, as opposed to just like sneaking up on people, the Terminator thing that you talked about. I like that too. And the movie looks good and yeah, it just, it's close to being something that I'd really like. I think if it was gorier, and it had some nudity, and it was just a little less tongue-in-cheek, it would be a real winner for me. But I think it's still a positive rating. Yeah, for me, it's a pass. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of the comedy for me worked. Uh, Not all of it, but a a good majority of it. I had a lot of fun watching it, especially after the last one, which I... You know, I guess, I mean, all of these movies are kind of fun, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I, I just was so, did not like part five, that this was like a nice breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. It's a nice in reinvigoration of the series, I think, where it could have just completely stalled out. Yeah. Um, Which we'll probably be getting to sooner mm-hmm. than later of it starting to like really feel tiresome. Right. Um, there, but this one has energy. It has a director with a clear vision who's going for something. Whether or not that thing works, you have to admit that it is successful in what it's trying to do for the most part. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just had a lot of fun watching it. I don't know if I mentioned that this is the like the lowest grossing of the sequels up to this point. Wow. And I think that has a lot to do with people just feeling betrayed by the last movie. Mm-hmm. So they just didn't come it's out. It's kind of staying away in one. the first place. Sure. Yeah. That is yeah. interesting. I, I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have guessed that this one would have been a bit of a bounce back for them. But yeah, maybe the next one will be. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, it is pass. I like this one. It's one of the good ones. Cool. All right. Well, that's it. That's Jason Lifts. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back with our final segment. Hey, guys, Eric here. There's a new Vampire Diaries podcast in Mystic Falls. That's right, the Vampedi Diaries. What is the Vampedi Diaries? It's a hilarious after-show podcast where a fella named Pete, who has never seen the hit CW show The Vampire Diaries, discusses each episode with a superfan. New episodes of the pod come out every bloodthirsty Thursday on Apple Podcasts. And uh, yeah, the hosts, Peter Harmon and Ashley, they're great people. He's a very funny author. He's written some great books. uh, And he's been a guest on some of my podcasts. And his wife is an absolute delight. And check them out, guys. It's going to be fun. If you like the uh, Vampire Diaries, if you want to get into the Vampire Diaries, 
Or if you just want to hear two people talk about the Vampire Diaries and don't want to watch the show, which would be weird. All right, guys, back to our podcast. Okay, guys, we are back with our final segment. And today we are going to do one of our favorite segments, the Cullen exam. Ooh, yeah. Uh, Buckle up. Yeah. It's been a while since we've done a colon exam. Hopefully everything is going all right in there. Um, so if you don't know, the colon exam, a lot of these movies uh, are, for instance, Friday the 13th, colon, Jason Lives. Uh, so Mike and I like to challenge each other by presenting two options from a franchise. Mm-hmm. And one of them is real and one of them is fake. Yeah. And we have to determine which one the real one is mm-hmm. yeah that's right um it's a lot of fun so uh let's let's put on our rubber gloves and dive in <laughs> uh do you want to kick it off or do you want me to go sure first? i can kick it off um and i'll say okay. this for the fans at home and for you there's a little easter egg hidden inside my uh colon exam this week uh yeah i get that looked at man <laughs> well yeah, you know, it's a, it's actually a pretty good environment. It's warm in there. Good for, uh, <laughs> good for, uh, what's the, I forget, fucking, I can't talk. Gerbils? Polyps? It's going to say like hatching an egg, you know, but. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. An Easter egg. Anyways, okay. First, oh, sure. first off in today's colon exam, we have the th- second sequel to a low budget cash in. Uh, aping the Jurassic Park series. Oh, wow. So, Eric, we have Carnosaur 3, (laughs) colon. All right. So, which one of these is the correct subtitle for Carnosaur 3? (laughs) Is it Carnosaur 3, colon, Apex Predator? Or Carnosaur 3, colon, Primal species. Uh, I'm going to go with Apex Predator. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, you son of a... The correct title is Carnosaur 3 Primal Species. Jeez Louise. All right, no points uh, So for this Eric. one is not a numbered option. Okay. Actually... I don't know if any of them are for me. Uh, which of the following are, are actually, is it actually a Resident Evil movie? Okay. Resident Evil Afterlife or Resident Evil Reborn? Hmm. Well, maybe, you know, maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but I feel like the Resident Evil movies are about zombies. I've seen exactly none of them, and I've never played a Resident Evil game. Oh, man. I know Mila Jovovich is in them. That's all I know. Oh. But anyways, they're about zombies. And zombies are, they have an afterlife, but they're not really reborn. So I'm going to go with Resident Evil Afterlife. You are correct. Oh. Wow, logic wins out. Resident Evil Afterlife. Okay. All right, the next one I have for you is a little more down the middle, okay? This is a, this is just a kind of a tough one to see 
how well you know this vaunted series. Okay. So which one of these, Eric, is the correct subtitle for Ghoulies 4? <laughs> is it Ghoulies 4, Ghoulies Go to College? Or Ghoulies 4, Ghoulies on Campus? Oh, shit, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to, I think I know this one. I think it's Ghoulies Go to College. That is correct. All right. Ghoulies 4, Ghoulies Go to College. Uh, <laughs> some other options that I toyed with, uh, but didn't, uh, end up using were Ghoulies Go to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ghoulies Go to Vegas. <laughs> and, oh, man. and Ghoulies Go to Hell, so... Um, I'm worried that you might know this next one, okay. but I did it anyway. All right. Which of the following is a Hellraiser movie? Ooh, well, there's a lot of them. Exactly. Hellraiser, colon, deader. That's deader, as in not, not more dead than previously. <laughs> Hellraiser, deader, or Hellraiser, agony and ecstasy? Jesus Christ. All right, well, I went real simple on the last one, and now I'm going to zig instead of zagging, and I'm going to say that this is a trap because Agony and Ecstasy is a logical title for a Hellraiser movie, and Deader is so stupid. (laughs) I'm going to go with Hellraiser Deader. Fuck. You're right. Hellraiser Deader. Two to one. I I put a little too much mustard on Deader. I I shouldn't have just let it lay. Okay. Um, I have something a little bit special for my last one. Okay. So I was going to say in the interest of shaking things up and also, so I have a, I have a two point lead right now. Um, well, why don't you give your third one to me first? Okay. Um, the howling two mm-hmm. blood moon or your sister is a werewolf. So, unfortunately, Eric, this is one that I know because it's just a great subtitle for a movie. Yeah. It is, in fact, The Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. <laughs> You're right. God, <laughs> you swept me. All right. Well, that takes a little bit of the pressure off because the one thing I was going to say is my third is a little bit harder than our standard format because I decided to do something a little special here. Uh, okay. But I think you're going to enjoy it. So this is just for shits and giggles here. See if Eric can redeem some of his pride. Um, (laughs) So we have the Ginger Dead Man series. Uh (laughs) Uh, But I've set you up with a little bit of two truths and a lie here. So I'm going to give you three subtitles. Okay. (laughs) Two of which are real and one of which I have made up. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Which of these three is the fake subtitle for The Ginger Dead Man? Ginger Dead Man, Saturday Night Cleaver. (laughs) Ginger Dead Man, The Passion of the Crust. (laughs) Or Ginger Dead Man, Spooky Kooky. Wait, not cookie, cookie. I mean, it's cookie, but I 
Oh, gotta, One would gotta, imagine gotta. a spooky cookie <laughs> evocative of the name of something else. Um. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Saturday Night Cleaver. Yeah. That one's not a baking pun. So that that flags that one for me, but that seems like a curveball you would throw me. Okay. Uh, the Passion of the Crust <laughs> is very funny. Maybe too clever for the writers of The Ginger Dead Man. And uh, Spooky Kooky. <laughs> um, oh, I just like saying that. It's hard to I'm decide to... how you're supposed to pronounce it, you know. <sighs> Spooky cookie. <laughs> <laughs> so the the fact that doesn't really work, man. All right, I'm gonna go with Passion of the Crust. I'm sorry, Eric. The Fuck. correct answer is Spooky Cookie. <laughs> I see. That's. The fact that it didn't really rhyme, and you're like, "Oh, it sounds like Ookie Cookie." I should that should have really, uh, a, poor, a poor showing. No, for me but today. I mean that one. That one was uh, bonus round, anyways. It's not the correct format, so I don't think that should be held against you. Uh, and also, um, everybody wins when we do the colon exam. The colon exam. Oh, it's the gift uh, that keeps on I- giving. <laughs> Okay, guys, that about wraps it up. Real quick, so my little Easter egg. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. So there's also a through line that ties together all three entries of my colon exam. The director of our next film, Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, one John Carl Beekler, who, if you guys don't know, is a guy who has a long and storied history of working in special effects and makeup. And... Not coincidentally, John Carl Beekler was special effects and makeup on the first Ginger Dead Man movie. He was also special effects on Carnosaur 3 Primal Species. And last but not least, he is the director of Ghoulies 4, Ghoulies Go to College. Wow. Well, guys, that about wraps it up for today's episode. Covering Jason Lives. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Friday the 13th, 7. That is a new blood. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us in the meantime, send us an email at killstreakpod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail on our website, anchor.fm slash killstreakpod. We would love to hear from you. And uh, hey, stay tuned next episode. Big announcement. Ooh. Big announcement. Ooh, what could it be? What could it be? Um, but, you know, you'll have to wait and find out till later later this week or next week. I'm not sure which, one this, which day this drops. But until next time, as always, here again for the first time, once more, <laughs> he picked the right day to pull this shit. Happy Friday the 13th.